Dating for college students is hard enough on its own, but when you take away the basic settings and situations that couples usually interact in, the conversation changes entirely. Welcome back to In The Know, I'm Jessica Toledo, and this week we're talking about couples in quarantine. Recently graduated student Andrea Sawyer and her boyfriend Andrew Paget are navigating the quarantine together. It's weird. I guess we actually don't like live together technically. So since quarantining together, it's kind of been like living together um, instead of like back and forth between where we usually live separately. And so it was kind of a weird jump from like not living together to like living together in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like pretty drastic, but like it's been okay. I, I at first thought of it as like, oh, this is like a trial for if, you know, if and when we do live together. But I, I think it's it's more than that. I think it's a trial. Like, I think it would even be a trial for people that already do, you know, because it's, a, you know, we're constantly together in a small space and uh, all the time. University of Minnesota professor Stephen Harris from the Family Social Science Department works with couples. Some of our coping mechanisms have been taken away because... Um, because the quarantine doesn't allow us to go hang out with friends the way we would or go to the gym the way we would. Um, and so those, some of those things, with those coping mechanisms in place, um, the relationship might not experience any, uh, any detriment at all. Without those coping mechanisms that people rely on to get a break from their partner, to have some variety in their life, uh, that, that may turn, it may turn out that those uh, folks suffer a little bit more in their relationship because they're kind of stuck together. So for a while, I was going for runs. That was a really nice way for me, even if I just went for like 15 or 20 minutes to like get out and clear my head. In fact, one time he was like, oh, let's go on a run together. And I was like, "Mm -mm. nope, I want to do this by myself. This is my me time. I guess we've kind of redefined like alone time too, because, you know, more often than maybe we would if we were just like hanging out for the afternoon or something, we'll just like sit in the same space, but do our own thing. Like we'll both be sitting in bed together, but like reading books instead of like, you know, something we might be doing together. So that's pretty common too. Harris wanted to emphasize that the quarantine was going to affect everyone differently and some couples may come out stronger for it while others might not. For some people, it's going to be great. It's going to energize the relationship. They're going to talk about new things. For other people, they're going to look at each other like we have nothing in common except maybe our physical relationship or something like that. And I don't think I could do this. So I think some people are going to be on the other side of this and learn, I'm not sure I want to be with this person forever because there will come a time in everyone's long-term committed relationship where they have to kind of face each other and determine, do we have much in common to kind of keep this together? So for a a college age population, if you're in this quarantine and you realize we just have very little in common, those may be the kinds of things that that somebody gets on the other side and says, yeah, I'm not, I'm not signing up for this long-term. For Andrea and Andy, it looks like the quarantine has made them more competent in their relationship. It's almost seemed like it was going to be a trial run for like living together. I think after this, it's going to feel like, well, if we can do that, we can easily like actually live together like normal people, you know, because we're going to have so much more alone time mm-hmm. than we would now, but still more together time than we would like living separately if there was nothing weird going on right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll work really well. <laughs> Overall, they said they were enjoying their time together despite the strangeness of the situation. I've been baking cookies so much, so usually we'll bake cookies then in the evening too. I think we just prepared our fourth batch of chocolate chip cookies last night. So. Yeah, which is so much. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. 
most days. Like, or sometimes we click, we play cribbage. That's a good way to pass the time too. Dozens of games of cribbage. I talked to University of Minnesota professor Ty Mendenhall from the Family and Social Science Department, and he explained how to make living with your partner easier. Figure out how to do your time and your routine in the day first. Um, before you do anything else. Now, in the context of quarantine, how are we going to do that? Okay, well, we're going to get up at the same time. We're going to have breakfast. But then over here in this room is my office, and I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be at work, and I'm going to do work, and you're going to be over here in your office. Maybe it's your own office. Maybe it's the office that we just made in the living room or dining room or the kitchen table or wherever, and we are going to work because that is what we do. What you're doing with that, structuring of the time is you're structuring the space that's my point you can create your workspace or your school space or your exercise space or whatever in whatever space you're in if you can structure it around your time because you can use the same room for together time or separate time or whatever but you won't if you don't have that conversation up front about what you're going to do Mendenhall said that couples that live together could learn a thing or two from couples in long-distance relationships. And the, the reason it's important is because most people are really bad at it. And what that means is when I'm at school, I'm at school. And that's the only thing I'm going to do. I'm going to kick some serious ass at school because that's what I'm doing. And you know what? When I'm with you, I'm with you. And we're going to talk and we're going to connect and we're going to do whatever we do when we're together. And I'm not going to be distracted by my homework or by my phone because I'm with you. This purpose compartmentalizing your energy and your time means because you don't have the ability to you know be with each other especially passively anymore then when you are together or you are talking you're not distracted by stuff you know and because you've been focused when you're doing your schoolwork your schoolwork's done couples that live together oftentimes do this really badly you know they're at work but they're texting each other they're at school but they're looking through social media they're uh, now they're together as a couple, but now they're trying to do their homework, you know, and they overlap and they put everything in, into the same box. He said that couples in long distance relationships are so good at compartmentalizing because the lack of time together forces them to prioritize in a way that other relationships might not be used to. He told me about a metaphor used to explain how to best prioritize your time called rocks, gravel, sand. Big rocks in first. The gravel kind of fits around the rocks and then the sand fits in the nooks and crannies and fills it up. And if you literally put anything in in any order different than that you're going to run out of space and you can't fill up the jar if you use this jar as a metaphor for your day you know or for your life even i mean how many of you are really doing it it's so much easier to compartmentalize stuff as a couple if you rock scrabble sand your life the wisdom that ldr couples need to survive is useful for couples that live in the same place um, because, I mean, they might survive. They might survive longer, but they're not necessarily going to be happy. DeLacy Singh and her fiancé Kyle have been together for almost three years and have spent two of those years in a long-distance relationship. Kyle goes to college in Lakeland, Wisconsin, and unfortunately his Wi-Fi and cell reception are not very good, so they have had some difficulties communicating. It just, he either has no reception or their Wi-Fi is down again. Like, a lot of the time, it's just hard. Yeah, I discovered one place in my room uh, that me and her actually had a phone call the other day. Uh, it's right at the edge of my bed if I prop my phone in a very specific location. Uh, that so will allow for phone call and data. Uh, everywhere else has about zero bars. Our Zoom interview was the first time they had seen each other since the end of spring break, and Kyle explained why the situation is so much more difficult than normal. But yeah, when you spend an extra amount of time apart that you're not like 
wanting or thinking about or like had planned in your head that like this was going to happen it has a very weird effect on you because like me when we kind of separated and went to different colleges I'd already had it in my mind for a while that like this is gonna be four years where most of it we spend apart it's not gonna be fun but we have to get through it but this I didn't already have that in my mind it's it's been a lot worse adjusting to this they said the thing that they missed the most about their reunions was the first hug we always have to like do it over like the middle column of my truck when we see each other because there's always traffic and we can't like spend a minute just like oh i love you like it's like ah (laughs) when the stay-at-home order was announced delacy and kyle made the difficult decision to quarantine apart it was more of just a oh okay so just more of not seeing each other really horrible i hate it i'm an emotional person as you can see and so i didn't take it very well and i was very upset at like the world and I was like, why did you leave in the first place? You could have just stayed here, but it wouldn't have been smart for him to. He needs to go so he can do his work and focus. And I understand that, but it really, really was hard. You see, I procrastinate on like a biblical scale. And I knew that if I was there, I wouldn't do anything. And effectively, I would have just wasted like, I don't know, $15,000, $20,000. Either way, sucked. Like, one way I lose a lot of money and the other way I don't get to see her. I know that in the end, if I end up losing 15 grand, that, that doesn't just like hurt me. That hurts both of us. And I, I wasn't comfortable doing that. Despite all the challenges, they still try to talk as much as possible. But yeah, we, we try to talk whenever we can. But especially being in quarantine, neither one of us is really good at sleeping. Our sleep, sleeping schedules kind of just consistently keep bouncing between like one of us is awake all day, the other one's awake all night. Every once in a while, they sync up, and that's nice, because then I get to talk to her all day. Uh, besides that, though, it's it's just a constant like limbo of who's awake when. Technical difficulties and sleep schedules can sometimes get in the way, but Mendenhall wanted to drive home a point that most couples have heard before. Communication is key. If you're in conflict, okay? Um, the first one is to remember that you are the one you are the only one that lives with yourself 24 hours a day. And even if you're at the same address that lives in your head 24 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest thing that I think can hurt couples if they're in conflict is, now go back to what's in your head, is if when your partner is talking, are you with all of yourself listening to what they're saying to you or are you thinking about what you're going to say when they're done talking? Start there. And if your partner is, you know, upset about, you know, the dishes in the sink or the, the ways that, you know, all this stuff is spread out on the dining room table or whatever it is that your partner is complaining about, are you getting ready <laughs> to, you know, react as soon as they run out of breath? Or are you trying to hear them? in terms of what they're saying. He told me that the best way for couples to work through conflict, living together or apart, is by externalizing the problem. Externalizing the problem makes it about you and me against the quarantine, you and me against the finances of figuring out how we're gonna buy groceries if we can't go to work, you and me against the small space and we have to both work here, you know. And if you externalize the problem, then the two of you can work against it. 
and you're not working against each other. His final piece of advice to all couples is to keep getting to know your partner. You know, in courtship, we're asking each other questions. You know, tell me about, you know, your family or your childhood or who was your favorite teacher? Or what was your favorite pet's name? Or when did you learn how to ride a bike? These are fun things that couples do in like the first two or three months that they date and then they stop. <laughs> Then it's like, oh, I don't know, honey, what do you want to watch on Netflix tonight? And again, we wonder why the spark ran out. If you're quarantined together, why not? <laughs> you know, don't binge watch another show together, passively looking straight forward, eating Cheetos. I mean, look at each other and go through some of these questions. It can, it can just be so cool to do it. And here's what else you need to know today. Local designers are doing their part to help slow the spread of COVID-19 by putting their regular business on hold and learning how to make reusable masks. Some designers are taking the opportunity to supply masks to both individuals and organizations. Winsome Goods, a design house and production studio in Northeast Minneapolis, is donating masks to organizations in need for every mask sold. A resolution by the Minnesota Student Association aims to make campus safer for birds. The resolution calls for all campus buildings to be retrofitted with bird-safe glass windows. This means new buildings will be built with these glass windows, and older buildings will be retrofitted or given visual markers to help birds avoid running into windows. The idea came from an MSA member who has worked with birds who've been injured in window collisions. A University of Minnesota class found that in spring 2019, 134 birds died on campus. They're hoping that having these visual markers and bird safe windows will help reduce bird deaths on campus. That's it for today, folks. See you next week. This episode was reported by Jessica Toledo, produced by me, Natalie Rodemacher, intro music by JD Duggins.